Hey, cold open on this episode. To give you a heads up, we were testing new audio equipment and the quality just didn't hold up. Avi and I decided we didn't want to hold the content back regardless of the audio quality. We apologize in advance. We're definitely learning as we go. And with that, let's jump into episode two. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Sending. I'm Isaac Kim. I'm Avi Goldman. Before we get started on this episode, we're just going to give you some life updates. So Avi, what's new with you? I actually have left SparkPost since we recorded the first episode. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be taking a little bit of a break from work, just working on some fun projects, I have a bunch of ideas that I've had for a while, and then after that, I'm going to dive in and try to create something on my own. That's really awesome to hear. I'm super excited for you. Where can people get more information if they want to follow along and get updates on your journey? If you go to avigoldman.com, that's A-V-I-G-O-L-D-M-A-N.com, you can subscribe to my newsletter. You can follow me on Twitter at the Avi Goldman, T-H-E-A-V-I-G-O-L-D-M-A-N. Super, super excited about this. This is something I've wanted to do since I was 16 years old, and I have no idea if it's going to work, but this feels like the right time to try. So I'm really excited, and SparkPost has been so supportive of this decision, and I really appreciate that. So yeah, so we're definitely going to be continuing this podcast, no doubt there. Email is still something I'm really passionate about, and now this is purely a passion project for me. So I'm all in. We want to do this miniseries. We want to have fun with it. Yeah. We don't want to disappoint our avid fan base. <laughs> all, all 40 of them. Uh-huh. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about email, the incomplete history. And why is that an incomplete history, Avi? Yeah, we know that we're going to miss stuff in this podcast. We have no intention of being perfect because we know we can't be. Um, there are people who have been in email since the beginning and right. have a huge amount of respect to those folks. If there's something that we miss in the history of email and we should know and we should have that in our head somewhere, please email us and we'd love to hear about it. So let's get into it. Isaac, tell me about email. There are over 2.5 billion active users on email and over 4 billion email accounts in operation. That's just insane. It's so widely used as a communications medium. And I would argue, you would probably argue too, the most important communications medium on the internet today. For sure. And also, I really appreciate the amount of effort and research you put into this. You got some great stats here, dude. This is good stuff. You might guess that email was invented or created by this gentleman named Ray Tomlinson. And we'll get to him soon enough. Uh, it's definitely a name you ought to remember. Mostly for trivia, any fun email-related trivia, this is going to be one of the basic questions. So you got to have this in your back pocket. Yeah, but even before Ray Tomlinson, we've got to go all the way back to 1965. Ooh, 65. Lyndon B. Johnson is sworn in for a full term as President of the United States. Winston Churchill passes away. The U.S. is still heavily involved in the Vietnam War. Martin Luther King Jr. and 25,000 civil rights activists successfully end the four-day march from Selma, Alabama to the Capitol in Montgomery. The Beatles released their sixth album, Rubber Soul, J.K. Rowling is born. So for those who love Harry Potter, just think about that. 1965 was a pivotal year. Email as old as J.K. Absolutely. And then last but not least, Kellogg's Apple Jacks cereal makes its first appearance. Genuine on... thing. Genuine question. Is that still a thing? Oh, it's a real thing. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Man, I feel like I stopped eating that when I was like 11. Yeah, so a lot of exciting things and interesting things happened in 1965, but probably the most interesting mm. thing is the first concrete example of email. Back in that 1965, on MIT computer, there was a program that they invented, and of all things, they named it Mailbox. It's a good name. Users on this computer could leave messages for one another, and it was an internal tool only to MIT, and, and the way that worked is that 
I would log into this computer. I would want to leave you a message. So I would say to Avi, write you a message, send, and then I would walk away. And the next time, Avi, you were to come onto the computer, then you would see the message when you logged in. So it's more like like a message board than anything else. Yeah, definitely more like a message board, but everyone had their own separate quote unquote mailbox. Okay. So it wasn't public to everybody. This system was proven to be really quite effective. And then it got people thinking at MIT, man, what if we could communicate with each other on our own computers and not just one? Let's fast forward four years to 1969. So 69, what was going on in 69? ARPANET. ARPANET. The Advanced Research Projects Agency Network. That is so many words that are all multi-syllable. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like S.H.I.E.L.D. in, in the Marvel <laughs> yeah, series. Right, when Coulson walks in, yep. he's just like, just call us S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, exactly. It's like, wow. Just call us ARPANET. Uh-huh. And, and what it was, it was a network connecting numerous computers across the, the Department of Defense for the sole purpose of communication within the organization. So, an internal network. On October 29, 1969, the very first message wasn't an email, but the first message was sent from one computer to another on ARPANET. So okay. Th- so this was historic, right? So this is the internet. This is this the, is the, the very beginning of the internet. Yeah. Two computers that can talk. Yep. Then, in 1971, Ray Tomlinson arrives to the scene. Ah, our hero. Yes. Ray Tomlinson and his colleagues were tasked to find something interesting to do with ARPANET. Ray was an MIT-trained computer programmer. He had entered MIT and got his master's in electrical engineering in 1965. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you saying that Ray was there when the mailbox was there at MIT? What? It all comes together. It does. So what do you think he ended up doing on ARPANET that he thought was going to be an interesting task. I mean, I feel like this is, this is a little obvious, but was, was it email? Yes. Ah. So Ray invented and developed electronic mail as we know it today by creating ARPANET's networked email system. So nearly instantaneous communication between computers within ARPANET. On this email system that he created on ARPANET, you can now talk to multiple computers. It's no longer just on one. Mm. But with the ability to talk to multiple computers, it introduced more complexity. Right, so you don't need just to know who you're sending it to, but who you're sending it to and where they live. So it's not just like leaving notes on your fridge, it's which house do I have to go to to leave the note on their fridge, right? I can't leave a note for Isaac on my fridge, gotta go to his house and break in and then leave a note on his (laughs) fridge and then break out again and he'll never know until he reads the note and that's what I gotta do. Yeah, yeah, and in that scenario, ARPANET is sort of like the neighborhood. Okay, that's a good analogy. Yeah, yeah, and another way to look at it would be like an apartment complex. Sure, but like, so how do you do that? Yeah, so Ray Tomlinson had the answer. He was the father and most commonly known for or associated to the at sign. Nice. Yeah, so the at symbol, which is his most enduring contribution to the internet, was really how you would indicate where the message would go to. It was really like username at name of computer. Right, so it's like where your house is. By 1976, 75% of all of ARPANET traffic was email. And, and that's mind blowing. Email proved to be so effective that other n- internal networks wanted to adopt the same email system. Okay, so email like was totally internal to ARPANET and then exactly. there were other internal networks that existed elsewhere and they basically wanted to connect them. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool, cool, cool. So this is now where the internet really starts to expand mm. outside of just this government program. Cool. So Ray comes up with this app sign and then what? It, traffic starts growing. Over five years, it becomes 75% of the internal traffic at ARPANET. And at the same time, there were other networks popping up, right? It wasn't just mm-hmm. ARPANET, there were other networks. And you know they were like, well, we've got our internal network and your internal network, how do we connect them? Yeah, NASA wanted to join in and then universities started getting involved. So now you have multiple agencies within the government, you have universities who are contributing to building this ecosystem. Fast forward, you now have the internet. Sweet. So ARPANET really just became the internet, like that interconnected networks. Yeah. In the 90s, internet exploded. This wild growth helped email grow because with all of these internet service providers, they also gave all of their users an email address. That's when people really start to adopt things. Yeah, did you ever log into AOL? Dude, I logged into AOL at the end of AOL and it was already dead and no one was there and I was like, cool. Number one, you had to wait about two minutes. You'd hear that, that, you'd hear that noise, that iconic, yeah, we're gonna insert that sound here. But if you, if you were an AOL user, the, you, it would show you like connecting then there'd be like step two or it was like connecting you to your friends and then step three was, you've got mail. That is, right? I, I mean, that's an iconic thing right there. I mean, that's just, that's, it's so iconic that it's literally a movie name, right? Yeah. As a child growing up with the internet, I always associated the internet as like a mailbox, mm-hmm. which was really funny. And so I guess MIT won because mailbox was the first program and that's how I associated email. <laughs> that is the internet. That is the internet. So where are we at now? We're, we're, we're exiting the 90s. We've hit uh, 2000. We've successfully dodged a bullet that was Y2K. Everyone updated their systems. Good job, team. Yep. By, by the year 2000, having an email address had gone from a mere curiosity and something that people wanted to try out to being on par with really having a, a phone number. Mm. It became an almost a one-to-one association, exactly to how it is now today, where if, you're, if I'm going to share my contact information with you, it's typically a phone number and an email address. Right. You can't, you can't live without an email address. It's part, of our, it's part of our everyday identity, which is kind of insane. Hopefully what you got from this was an overview of how email came to be ubiquitous and how its history, kind of its roots, make it part of the internet, something that we all expect and why its adoption is so wide. In, in, a, in a future podcast, we'll, we'll be talking about more on the, the authentication and we'll give some history and context there. And that will also t- um, lead us to talk about some of the history of spam and how it drove the behaviors of users, how it drove the behaviors of the, the, and the development of email in the different points of history that we've talked about. So we've got this good overview. We've got a you know, general timeline of you know, 1965 and 69, 71 being you know, really like the majority of the traffic to the early 90s when it became ubiquitous to the 2000s when like now it is your identity online. Mm-hmm. And now we're gonna go back through and through the different episodes, we'll add in some more color in those points of history with specific topics, with authentication, with spam, with content, with data, with segmentation, and all the different concepts and the different players that live in the email landscape. I know that history can be dry times, and that's totally valid. I think that we wanted to do this one because we wanted to have the context and be able to kind of fill in the gaps that we've missed and to get your feedback. So hopefully we made some more email geeks out of you guys, and we're not the only two on this podcast. I think with that, we can call episode two a wrap. All right, cue the outro. Cue the outro.